Before you skip ahead on this ad slash trailer, we are doing a mailbag for our Friday preview show this week. It's going to be a fantasy playoff mailbag. So tweet us, email us, uh, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Your start sick questions, your matchup questions, fantasy courts, if you have any uh, playoff collusion going on, or questions about corn or, or any of the other weird crap we talk about. So uh, mailbag on Friday. All right, let's get to Power Hour. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Draft show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined by Danny Kelly, Craig Horlebeck, and Ben Solak. Woohoo! Boom. It is Power Hour. Today, we power rank something every Wednesday. And today, we're going to look at the top 10 picks in the draft as of entering week 16 and what those teams are going to do at those spots. And it's going to be great. We're going to look through. It's going to be vibes like half mock, half like what do these teams need? Just half like a little vibes check in. Uh, Definitely. But first, real quick, quick programming note. Next week is Christmas, so we're going to tweak our schedule. No draft show next week. Draft show, we're going to bring it back. End of the regular season after the college football championship. We're going to bring the draft show back. Taking a couple weeks off for the holidays. No fantasy show on Christmas or Christmas Eve next week. So we're going to have like a truncated recap waivers trivia for you guys on Tuesday, December 26th. So little delay there for Christmas. Otherwise, everything's going to be normal. We're going to get to the draft. But first, Solak. Philadelphia Eagles. We're recording this Tuesday. Monday no. Night Football last <laughs> no, night. No, no, no. There's no need. That's fine. 20 to 17. <laughs> the Seahawks no, won a game that I don't care what the little probability charts say. It was like the Eagles were going to win the whole time. So I kind of feel to lose to Drew Locke. Great. Just <laughs> sick. I, losing in, on national TV sucks. Losing on a game-winning drive also sucks. Losing on national TV on a game-winning drive to a backup quarterback. Like, this obviously blows. Like, this is the worst. And I thought it couldn't get any worse. And then Drew Locke finishes the game being like, and I love Gino so much, and I love my brothers, and we're such a great community, and isn't this so happy in my career? Isn't this all so beautiful? And everybody was like, yes, Drew Locke. Yes, so <laughs> yes Drew, we we're love you. Like, we're so happy oh. for you. We're so, what, a, what a wonderful young man. I'm just there being like... No. <laughs> you know the meme of the, the penguin who's sitting there like, well, now I'm not going to do it. Like, that was me just sitting there being like, I don't, I'm not happy for Drew Locke. I don't appreciate that Drew Locke is, loves his family and his friends and his teammates in his locker room. I'm mad. Just the one guy <laughs> in the corner, not happy for Drew Locke. Everyone's just celebrating. Oh, what a win. No, it was absolutely dreadful. I don't take the Eagles seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm writing about them on Wednesday and I'm just putting a tombstone on, on their entire season, even though they're 10 and 4. Thank you for your time. Wow. It really was like the greatest day in Drew Locke's life. Like that, that post game <laughs> interview, uh, that this, th th he peaked that day. He, and he knew it too. He was like, this is it. This is my moment. This is the pinnacle. The, the worst part is that the little backpack celebration, right? Yeah. For oh my years, God. I love it. Since, since he was in the draft, I was like, I, this is not good. Like, this is not good enough. Like, it's bad sign. I don't, he's going to be a bust because this celebration is, I don't like this celebration. And then Drew Locke did it in my face. He kicked me to the ground. He stood over me and he went, uh, with his little backpack. And I was like, yeah, okay, I deserve that. You're right, though. It's not a great celebration. It, it's like, it's like, doesn't it really visually translate that well. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you do it wrong, you don't it. exactly know what somebody's like, doing. You're not even in your bag when you put a backpack on. You're not, you're. You, you have closed the bag. It's not, yeah. It doesn't even make sense with the thing. I don't. Ah, bah, bah humbug. I loved it. There, There's an amazing <gasps> moment on the broadcast where it caught Drew Locke doing that. And then like he was 
looking right yeah. at Geno Smith on the sideline. Geno Smith yeah. is doing it back to him. And it's a like, really good backup quarterback <laughs> taunt because it's like not that good, and he clearly yeah. hasn't really thought about it too much. Right. It, the problem is, and like like among friends, like don't put this on the pod. <laughs> the, the clip of him doing it to Gino is so sick. It's so hard. Gino's doing it back. It's sick. But I just have to sit yeah. there and be like, mm. so yeah, it's not great. I'm not, I'm not peeking right now. Drew Locke's peeking. Ben's not peeking. The Drew Locke post-game interview really was more like more emotional than like people winning Oscars. I feel like quarterbacks have won Super Bowls and not given speeches that emotional. Like you could show that to someone and tell them that was a Super Bowl speech. And it would totally fit the moment. And I know it's it like, like, dude, you guys are seven and seven now. And you might miss the playoffs. <laughs> hey, come on! <laughs> I also, I also have to say, <laughs> mediocre team. It's fine. It's fine. There was a lot going on in this game with the Eagles and stuff. But the only part that I truly cared about, that I was like, whoa, was Matt Patricia just being on the Eagles sideline six years after e the Eagles won the Super Bowl because Matt Patricia was such a terrible defensive coordinator, and him looking like somehow thinner and more like a movie villain. Like he looked somewhat like he looked. More like older, but you know, oh, I haven't seen this guy for years and he's he's like been planning stuff. I can't believe he's in power somewhere again. <laughs> in power. This 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 game is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Matt Patricia and Drew Locke. I am suffering. <laughs> I am at a, such a tremendous low. With this lovely note, we can transition to the draft here. We're gonna go through the top 10 picks as of you know, this moment in time. So there obviously could change in the next couple of weeks, but for the most part, we have a decent sense of the teams that are going to be in the top 10 and we got to just start peaking. It's almost draft time, man. So we're going to do this power hour style. And if you're unfamiliar with power after every two minutes, eh, like a few minutes, we're going to tweak it sometimes, but eventually you will hear this sound. Or, a lovely little copyright-free jingle on FanDuel TV. Which we're probably... It's not matching the, the bobbing of our heads, most likely, which makes no. us look bad. Honestly, that's but. good content, though. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, and again, if you don't know, the TomTom Tom Club was originally the royalty-free version of... Because we couldn't get Fantasy by Mariah Carey, but then ironically, right. we couldn't get the royalty-free version for FanDuel TV. So now we just kind of are in like a Russian doll the set of like royalty free music that isn't working on various platforms. So maybe we can once again, if anybody has a connection to Mariah, please call us. Dude, yeah. Mariah. Okay. So with that said, Kai, let's just put six minutes on this first one. Like there's no chance. It's the first pick. It's fine. Six minutes, mm -hmm. Kai. Number one pick so far for the 2024 NFL draft is going to be the Chicago Bears via the two and 12 Carolina Panthers. And I think Keep we actually pounding. just have to start on this trade just to revisit this trade where last year the Panthers traded up for the first pick. In a trade that we don't want to make a referendum yet on Bryce Young's career, but so far, brutal. Not looking good. <laughs> the trade so far would be the Panthers get Bryce Young and the Bears get like either Caleb Williams or Drake May at quarterback, DJ Moore at receiver. They could have had Jalen Carter with the ninth pick last year, too, plus two second rounders, which honestly, if that actually ends up being that way and Bryce Young doesn't turn his career around. Uh, yeah, I don't know, one of the most lopsided trades ever. Oh, so, I mean, it's it will go down, especially if either Caleb Williams or Drake May goes down as like a really good quarterback. Because then they missed out on not only missed out on Stroud, who looks like a top ten quarterback, they're going to miss out on you know Caleb Williams or Drake May, which I mean, both of those guys have the potential to turn into really good quarterbacks. So it could look really, really bad. Let's um let's say that this holds for right now, and the Panthers keep the first pick of the draft. There's well, I'm sorry, the Panthers get the worst record. The Bears get their pick, right. first pick in the draft. DK, I want to start with you. Should the Bears, like asking the dumb question here, but Justin Fields has played so much better. Should the Bears take a quarterback and trade Justin Fields? Don't you dare say no. Or <laughs> should the Bears keep Justin Fields and sign him and trade this pick, which could get them probably maybe three first round picks and more? Don't you dare say yes. No, I would I would love to see what the Bears could do if they did trade this pick in terms of like building the roster. I think they should take a quarterback. I think at this point, it's probably just better for both players if Justin Fields, you know, starts somewhere else. I think he has been certainly playing a lot better, um, but I don't know. I still, it does still feel to me like he is on the borderline of mm -hmm. like being a real starter in the NFL. I still think he has a lot to prove. I think if the Bears trade this pick and stick with Fields and then he regresses badly in year three or whatever, like it's going to look really, really bad for the Bears. So if I was the Bears, I probably would just. Uh, trade fields and take a quarterback with this pick. Craig, uh, Craig, I, I, a Patriots call you up. Three first round picks for the first overall pick. You're, you're the GM of the Bears. You say no? Three first round picks? 
Yeah, for one. Uh, so you're getting the um, Patriots pick this year, which is going to be like, let's say it's three. So you're not getting Caleb or May, hypothetically, mm, right? But you get that okay. pick in the next two of, of whoever takes over this Patriots roster. Three first rounders. You're saying no? Yeah, I'm saying no. Four first rounders. You're saying no? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know. We're, we're getting five, into four right. first round territory. First Ten rounders. first so rounders. That's the thing is I would say at the beginning of the year, if you said Bears getting the first overall pick with where they're at with Fields, you I think the answer is like, all right, there's no price. Like, I'm obviously taking the quarterback. With yeah. how Fields has recently played, I think there is a price. I think we've entered the world of like, there is a price where they would move off it and keep Fields for another year. It would be a ludicrous, ludicrous price. But I do think we're in that realm. Yeah. Now, one thing that I think is going to get discussed, the analytics boys are going to bring it up, is like, okay, stay at one, take the QB, and also keep Fields. And right. now you have like the two dice rolls. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it's always very difficult to manage the locker room in that regard. I think that because Fields is going to get expensive a lot sooner than the young guy, I think you go for the young guy and, and you move off of Fields. But to me, like we are in the realm of prices. If I were a GM picking top five, top ten, who needed a quarterback, I would call the Bears and be like, "All right, what do you need to move off of one?" I would make them give me a price that I have to say no to. Because I think we are in the, the the real world possibilities now. What makes it more fascinating to me is the Bears' defense has been playing really well lately too or at least mm -hmm. relative to how they were playing early in the season. And it's like, whether it's real or just imagined, it feels like the Bears are closer to being a competitor than they were even like a few weeks ago. You know what I mean? So like they could talk themselves into being like, oh, if we trade this for three first round picks, we can add a couple guys to the defense. We can add an offensive lineman. We can add a big time receiver. And then we're set. We're ready to go to the playoffs. Um, I do think it is a fascinating discussion, but I think for everyone involved, it would just be better if they trade fields. I just don't think you can get caught in Daniel Jones limbo where a player mm. outperforms who he really is in the final half of a season and you start right. talking yourself into all these scenarios in which maybe you can thread the needle and and trade and get a bunch of picks and build the perfect team around him and then maybe you can make the playoffs. It's like, throw all of that away. Caleb Williams or Drake May are two generational talents. You guys on the last draft show we did were like, oh yeah, Caleb Williams would be right on par with Trevor Lawrence coming out of Clemson. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a Bears fan, like I, I think that on this show, it can get cute, right? We're supposed to talk about every possible scenario. I feel like a Bears fan right now, if they were on this pod would say, no effing way would I want to keep Justin Fields and trade away, no matter yeah. what I get in return, if Caleb Williams is on the line. I think that's a great point, Greg. Like the risk management of it is, okay, if you trade Fields and are wrong, you trade it away, like I was like maybe fringe top 10, like probably more realistically, like a top 13, 15 quarterback who also is going to be on a second contract. And that middle tier of quarterback contracts tends not to be very like good bang for your buck, right? Whereas the risk of, okay, I keep feels I trade away the first overall pick is you might've traded away CJ Stroud caliber play on CJ Stroud caliber money. The risk of the bottom is a lot lower when you keep fields and trade that first overall pick. Solak and DK, do you guys have a strong opinion yet on Drake May or Caleb Williams? Or is it just like, just take one of them. And as, as long as you take one of them, it's probably a smart defensible decision. Uh, I would say I still lean Caleb Williams on this one, but I think they're both right. really high level prospects. Yeah, I might just like just take one of them. And so like if something happens to Caleb or Drake in the pre-draft process and you land on the other one, I think you're fine. But we'll see how this goes to the Bears, what coaching staff they keep, so on and so forth. Wow. Really clean six Whoa. minutes there. <sighs> Quick question. Setting a high bar. Uh, Quick DK, question. We did perfectly. And you want to. I just have one question to ask. Sorry, Tom, Tom. How much? How much does Fields fetch in a trade? I if you, I just put two more minutes on the clock. I, oh. <laughs> this is so disappointing. Could have been a one-word answer. Six, six. <laughs> it literally can be a one-word answer. Second. How much does he fetch in a trade? Okay. Is inherently a multi-word answer. Two, two words. <laughs> second rounder. If I'm the Falcons, I would do two second rounders for Fields. Even there though that's go. overpaying, I would want to see Justin Fields with Bijan, Drake, London. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah, and he's also from Georgia. Just like, just try. All right, maybe we didn't need the two minutes. Take the time. <laughs> off, Kai, take it back <laughs> off the clock. Kai, take the two minutes away. Yeah. They can't even Moving see on. the clock. Uh, all right, next up here, we have, as of now, the New England Patriots, who Perfect. are three and 11. I, we, we probably all agree that the Patriots just take whichever quarterback, right? The Bears take Caleb Williams, the Patriots should take Drake May, or vice versa. I know our boss, Bill Simmons, is saying he wants to take Marvin Harrison Jr. with the second pick. I, I think he's totally wrong. So first of all, everyone right now, can anyone, speak now or forever hold your peace. Does anyone here actually think the Patriots should just take a receiver? No. No. What is, okay. what is the argument? I haven't actually heard. I, I know Bill has mentioned that he wants Marvin Harrison Jr., but like, who's throwing to him? Like, what is... I think Bill's argument is that he feels that 90 plus percent confident that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be good. And that and quarterback is a, is a coin 60, flip. 
Yes, 60% right. confident. And if you look around at all the receivers, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, they're on and on that are elevating their quarterback that like, why not just get that elite guy if you know that he's going to be elite? I, I feel that, but I'm also like, well, I think then, the opposite. I mean, wouldn't you just go trade for T. Higgins, a guy you know is actually good, or sign T. Higgins and then right. draft Drake May? Isn't that a better combination? It's the scarcity of it, like positional scarcity. Yeah, the other thing is AJ was taken in the second round. Tyreek obviously taken in the sixth round for a, a, a dramatically different reason, but then was available via trade, right? You can get the elite a receiver who's a quarterback elevator without spending a top five pick. Obviously, if you do and you get Jamar Chase, great. But Justin Jefferson was the fourth guy off the board in the twenties. Man, like you can go find that guy if you if you if you scout well. And then in a wide receiver class like this, where it's freaking loaded, holy smokes! Take the quarterback early. That's the only spot where you can get a good quarterback, and then try to roll the dice on a, on a later receiver. I agree. Jaden Reed, Rishi Rice, Tank Dell, Josh Downs, this year, all taken second or third round this year. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, all second, third round players. So here's the question. Start with you, DK. Do you let Bill Belichick make this pick or do you kind of have him resign or trade him away? Like, do you let Bill Belichick do the Greg Popovich where the Spurs get Victor Wembanyama and you, or you just say, oh, wait, so are, are you saying that Bill Belichick will not be the coach, but then you can l let him make these decisions? I'm asking in the if trap? you were, no, 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 I'm saying if you were Robert Kraft and you get the second pick, do you want to hand this quarterback to Bill Belichick or you're like, no, we got to start fresh? I mean, I would keep Bill Belichick. I still think he's a good coach. <laughs> I mean, I feel like. I, I a little bit feel like I'm taking crazy plays with the Belichick stuff. Like he's proven mm -hmm. over the long term how great of a coach he is. I understand he's not perfect, but like every team has down years. I don't. It's like we can't just freak out over one or two down years. So like, so I agree. Belichick's a good coach. I need to know that Belichick's got an actual plan, an offensive coordinator that's not. Well, Josh McDaniels is available now, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's <laughs> oh like uh, I think that when we talk about Belichick, I talked about Tomlin on the Ringer NFL show, kind of in a similar light earlier this week. We talk about some of these coaches that have been one place for a long time. Their social network starts to run out, right? They just know they have the Rolodex of guys they know. They haven't been on other teams, met other guys, had cross pollination of ideas. They haven't gotten into the 21st century on stuff because they've just been hammering what they know. It's like how your parents don't have any friends. <laughs> and so, but with Belichick, I think that. You have to sit down and say, all right, like, Bill, you're a great coach. If we were to cut you, if you were to let you go, you'd be on a different team tomorrow. We could probably trade you for picks. Like, you're absolutely a top coach. What's the offensive plan here, though? Because if there's nothing clear for developing a first-round quarterback, you don't want to go through the Mac Jones thing again where he shows up, he has some talent, and then he deteriorates over time. And so you need to know that, like, the, the plan in place to develop the quarterback is actually sound. Next up here, we have the Arizona Cardinals, who are 3-11. and DK, I feel like this is the easiest one in the mm. entire draft where if let's say Caleb Williams, Drake may are the first two picks off the board. You're the Arizona Cardinals. You have Kyler Murray. You just take Marvin Harrison jr. Out of Ohio state and you just pair him with Kyler Murray. That's it. Right. Yeah, I think so. And it, this was obviously going to be a, a lot harder of a decision. If they ha were sitting in the number two spot, it doesn't look like they're going to do that anymore. But yes, I actually like, even if they had been sitting in that number two spot, I think they have a better case for keeping the quarterback and drafting a guy like Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, building around Kyler Murray. Um, they have a ton of picks going forward. They have the mm -hmm. third pick, the 17th pick in the draft. So they have two first rounders, a second rounder, three third rounders and a fourth. So they have like a whole bunch of day one and two picks coming up here. Um, I think they're going to have a bunch of money in free agency to spend. They've basically been like stripping it down to the studs. And now they've just got a couple guys that they're going to build around. And I'm kind of excited with what they can do. So to me, that would be the no-brainer move. Take a guy who has, uh, you know, the ability to be like an uh, offensive uh, manipulator of the defense. Basically, these guys that can change the way defenses have to guard you. And by the way, he's big, which is great because it seems like everybody on the Cardinals is very small right now. So they need some tall guys. Hey, so, Trey McBride is the large <laughs> man. Big that's man. true. But actually, but yeah, to that point, like having uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. with Trey McBride, who looks like an ascending star. Michael Wilson was playing well before he got banged up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They've got, you know, they have like a couple other guys that I think have, have shown some promise. So Dorch. I don't know. There's, yeah, Dorch, Dorch is still around. Get Dorched. Yeah. Um, Rondell Moore is pretty explosive. Wow. So they, they have like guys that can be play complimentary roles. And I think dropping Marvin Harrison Jr. in there would just make this offense really exciting. Yeah. If you get 17 healthy Kyler games and Drew Petzing, their current offensive coordinator, doesn't get hired away this cycle, Marvin's going for about 1,400, 1,500 yards as a rookie. <laughs> I, I, I love Kyler's that. playing great. Petzing can play, and Marvin is very talented. Where, where does Mar Sorry, Tom Tom. Oh. Where does Marvin Harrison Jr. rank in the overall wide receiver prospect pool? Like, is he on the Mount Rushmore of, of college wide receiver prospects? I mean, this is this is tough because, like, I don't think 
anybody, like, even if you had Jamar Chase wide receiver one, you probably didn't rank him high enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because of how well, how well he's played, like Justin Jefferson, so on and so forth. I like Marvin as a prospect better than I like Jamar and better than I like Jefferson. Now, I had Jefferson, like, you know, wide receiver six in that class, right? Like, I, like, you know, a lot of, I, like, a lot of people missed on how good Jefferson would be. And so it's very hard to calibrate to, like, what they've been in the NFL now versus what I thought of them as prospects. But when I watch Marvin, I, I, it's very hard to find a, a deficiency there. Like he could just, he makes every player in the field, right? It's ball. He's a ball in hand player. He's a contested catch player. He's an adjustment player. He's a separation player. Like it's just, there's, 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 there's nothing he doesn't do. And <laughs> so it feels like, all right, if these other guys have had these a thousand yard, 1200 yard seasons, right? Jamar Chase setting a record. Like it feels like Marvin should be capable of that. Yeah. I think he stacks up when you look at like statistically, um, athletically, because he's reported to be, he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. He's like going to run a four threes. He's like really strong, explosive guy. Um, so he's going to jump in and test really, really well. So like from a prospect profile point of view, he's, I think he stacks up with some of the best guys like Jamar Chase, AJ Green, Amari Cooper, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of the best Julio prospects. Jones, Julio Jones yeah. is another great one. Uh, some of the Fitz, best prospects Calvin. over the last like 10, 15 years. I think he definitely, you know, from a numbers point of view stacks up to those guys for sure. I have a lofty comp for Marvin Harrison Jr. If we want, yeah, Marvin Harrison. <laughs> I know. I was gonna <laughs> say it's just, it's, it's just so funny to you when I see comps. People are like, he yeah. really reminds me of this guy. I'm like, he reminds me of Marvin Harrison. That's I would say who he most just off of like face and bone structure and name. I feel like he most reminds he me looked, of Marvin Harrison. Yeah, he looks like Marvin Harrison. <laughs> well, he got so. lucky in the gene pool because he's like five inches taller than his dad. I know, right? Um, no. So yeah, I think he's he's basically like a, a complete you know, package at the receiver position yep. right now in terms of prospect profile. All right. Next up here. Kai, just threw three minutes on the clock. Let's just be real here. We're up and into three. I like okay. to, I like just choosing a number. That's fun. Well, especially because we keep ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> like choosing two numbers. Washington commanders would have the fourth pick. They're four and 10. And this is where the, the order could change a lot as we come down the, the home stretch here. But the commanders right now are the fourth pick. Let's, I, I think the Washington's the first true trade up candidate. With the Bears at number one, we'll see. But let's say that they stay here. And I'm curious, the first three picks, let's say, are Drake May, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, in some order. Washington traded away Montez Sweat and Chase Young, the defensive ends at the, at the deadline. I feel like they might, they could go edge, but they could definitely go offensive line. But I think the question is, quarterback, we have Jaden Daniels at LSU. We have Bo Nix at Oregon. I think this is the first of like the teams that would consider one of these like lower tier quarterbacks. DK is... Yeah. Is there someone, Jaden Daniels just won the Heisman, is there him and Bo Nix? Are any of these guys to you, if the new owner of the of Washington, Josh Harris, called you and said, should, hey, we're on the clock, and <laughs> I kind of, what do you think, DK? Should we take this guy to the top five? What would you say? I think Jaden Daniels probably is the guy that I would recommend at, of, of all the guys that are left. Um, I mean, if you look at what he did this year at LSU, like his stats are actually better than what Joe Burrow did that, like, you know, his legendary season, which is Stop. just wild to talk they about. They are. You've never um, seen those side-by-sides? Okay, but the, but, the, but the SEC, the I quality said the of the defense. I, that's all I said. Yeah. I'm not making, I'm not, I don't have a take about I think this. That was my mind rejecting better. the facts. It's still just shocking. <laughs> I'm giving you the facts of the numbers. DK's doing the Brock Purdy MVP argument right now. He's like, it's just the numbers. It's numbers. What do you want me? Look at the numbers. <laughs> but like, yeah, I like Jane Daniels. I think there's, you know, he's not on the same tier to me as, as Caleb Williams and Drake May, but he's an exciting prospect for sure. Uh, you know, his stats, like I said, he ha- he's a runner and a passer. He has incredible stats in both areas. He's really slippery and, and explosive um, in the open field. And cr- he can create plays out of structure. I think he has like a lot of the traits that you're looking for. I do worry a little bit that he's got like a pretty thin frame and he's been in college football for a long time. So, you know, that <laughs> has pluses and minuses. I think actually teams are probably going to look at this as a plus going forward where, you know, he has so much experience just actually throwing the football in real games like that actually does matter so can can i push back on that i'm torn i feel like joe burrow is this come out of nowhere prospect and a part of me not come out of nowhere but i don't know i'm torn about this because i think about ken yeah he did but i think about kenny pickett where he was at pittsburgh for so long and then he had this last year that was great and no offense craig kenny pickett sucks and i look at this whole group (laughs) of guys the second quarterbacks catching strays over here yeah we could we'll talk about this more with the giants but like Jaden daniels but since tw- like these are pre-pandemic starting quarterbacks in college football, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix Jr., who I love. Michael Penix was in college for 14 different Marvel movies that were released. <laughs> I like that metric. Like, yeah. like at some point, like doesn't just you, you want like, I, I, I don't know. I it's it's I yeah. think it's a double edged sword because on one hand. 
you could say, oh, he's like 25 years old playing against a bunch of young guys, you know, with no experience. And so he's just benefiting from his age and his experience and all that. And like, once he gets to the NFL, he's like already hit his mm -hmm. peak, in other words. Um, but at the same time, like we, we mentioned Brock Purdy, like Brock Purdy threw a lot of passes in college. And I think some teams are going to look at this as like, that's a bonus. That's an advantage that gives us more of a clear picture of who you are as a player. You have more reps, just like the muscle memory of doing it um, with a pass rush in your face. Like that, all that stuff is, is actually a benefit to, I think, some of these guys. And so, you know, that's, it's a different discussion when it's like the third or fourth, fifth pick or whatever than, uh, you know, a late round pick necessarily, obviously. But I do think teams will look at that as an advantage in some ways. Washington, I like the quarterback thing. Absolutely. Jane Daniels, a lot of stuff. Great. Everything trade up. They should sit at four and take Olu Fashano out of Penn State. They should just take a tackle. Like Fashano is lights out. He's, an, he's young. He's unbelievably athletic. They desperately need a tackle. Like they're not in a position where it's quarterback or bust for them. They're not. I think we're going to take QB three. If they, if they, if you told me right now, fast forward to April, they, then you told me commander sat at four and took Fashano without knowing anything else. Light unseen. I'd go like, oh, good pick. Have you bet on that already? <laughs> no, you can't. You can't bet on that yet. Oh, okay. Darn. <laughs> He's like, come on, DK, you know you can't bet on that yet. Otherwise, I totally would. Be reasonable. <laughs> Washington's left tackle is a 32-year-old former seventh rounder, and their right tackle is Andrew Wiley, who was a guard for the Chiefs. So I think that they could that's tackle's a pretty good spot. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. As the weather gets cold, the NFL offers stay hot on Fandle right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. If you want to have the Christmas Day games, the Chiefs over the Raiders. I think the Raiders are coming off this one of the best wins in recent franchise history. The Chiefs are clearly in this mode where they're upset about all the criticism that destroyed the Patriots. I think the Chiefs are going to destroy the Raiders. The Chiefs always destroy the Raiders. Never bet against Patrick Mahomes versus the Raiders, and I would bet on all the overs on Mahomes, all the overs in the Chiefs, the points. I want Chiefs laying points, Chiefs money line, everything. I love the Chiefs this week. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. Live scene game parlays, find bets in the new Explorer tab, dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Fantasy and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official part in the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Next up here, we have the Bears. They're going to be fifth as of this moment. So in this world, they have a quarterback. They Let's say they took Caleb Williams or Drake May. They don't have a second rounder, but Chicago traded the second rounder to Washington for Montez Sweat. So this fifth pick is their first, or the, sorry, their only pick till the third round. I feel like you still have to go offense if you're Chicago, right? Like they've poured so much into the defense. They have Darnell Wright, who they took at right tackle last year. They have DJ Moore, but I don't know right here. I feel like they have to go receiver offensive line. Do you feel that way, Solak? Yeah, I think that once you invest in the quarterback, you're now in the position where you invest in offense. I think defensively, they've done a nice job. Uh, like DK brought up, they're, they're a lot better than they were. I think that, it, the, the Bears are a classic example of when they make these moves, you're kind of like, all right, they paid a lot for Tremaine Edmonds, paid a lot for TJ Edwards, paid a lot for Montez Sweat, like in a vacuum, like these might be overpays. But then once it's all on the field on a Sunday, you're like, ah, oh, professional players. Like that, the, the defense is fixed. doesn't really matter what they've been paid anymore. This is a lot better of, of a unit. So defensively, I like where they're at. Offensively, the tackle situation is is tricky because Braxton Jones, who's a, who's a fifth round pick for them uh, two years ago out of Southern Utah, has looked like a player for whom the light bulb is coming on, has looked like a player for whom you can kind of leave at left tackle and feel good. He is injured. He missed a lot of October and not been super available. It's it's 
it, similar to Fields, where like these next few months are gonna or next few weeks are gonna decide a lot for him. Jones is kind of in a similar boat with with Darnell Wright at, at right tackle. I don't mind if they feel like they can do Jones and Darnell Wright for another year, and instead they go wide receiver. Right? Chase Claypool was supposed to be a guy for them. His performance, his his culture, his effort wasn't good. They got him out of the building. Now wide receiver two is Darnell Mooney, who like blew a critical block on fourth down that would have won them the game against the Browns. He has drops like. He's also, to me, like a guy who's got effort questions and culture questions. They, I think, need a better running mate for, for DJ Moore. So I would lean receiver here over tackle. Uh, and in a class like this with Malik Neighbors at LSU, Keon Coleman out of Florida State, Roma Dunze, Roma Dunze out of Washington. There's a lot of good <laughs> options. Tiki, do you have a preference of those receivers of when you pick? I think I lean uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU. That guy is crazy explosive. He's so much fun to watch. He's probably, to me, he's the most fun guy to watch. He, maybe even over... Marvin Harrison Jr. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. still gets the nod as the best uh, receiver in this class, but neighbors, extremely explosive. Um, very exciting. I think he'd compliment DJ Moore pretty well. Um, give them like a vertical element. He can run after the catch. He's just really, really good. So, but yeah. like, like Solak was saying, there's like four or five guys, I think in this class outside of Harrison, that could be first rounders mm -hmm. and, and high first rounders. Everyone who hasn't watched any Malik Neighbors film should watch Malik Neighbors film. He's a five-play prospect. You watch him. You watch him move on the field for a quarter, and you go, "Oh yeah, future NFL, or future star." Great. Okay, <laughs> yeah. moving on. Like yeah. he just, he just moves different than the other guys on the field do. Yeah. And the state format just writes itself because they had the Mahomes and Maauto, and now it's like, like his name's Neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> Boom! Wow. That's, that, that's how advertising works. Free advertising. There you go. That is how advertising works. Uh, all right. Next up here, Kai, four minutes for the Giants. The Giants are here uh, at six. Four? <laughs> four. It's the Giants. Clear, clear is, schedule. I, first of all, <laughs> first of all, can we just talk about how... Oh, it's the Giants. I, I, the Giants, I, I, we're supposed to, I, we were supposed to be talking about whether the Giants would get Drake May or Caleb Williams. And my beloved Tommy DeVito which was a lovely six-week fling of, like, Tommy Cutlets, his mother making his bed. This is a great story, having said that. He has played the Giants into the sixth pick, and I'm now sitting here asking you guys about Bo Nix at Oregon. Yeah. And, who, like, all these guys who, once again, I'm coming back on the quarterback thing because I'm <laughs> like, I don't... The Giants passed on Daniel Jones, or uh, Justin Herbert, because they had Daniel Jones. They had already drafted him. I don't care about the Jones contract. They can get out of it. One mistake shouldn't mean you keep making mistakes. If one of these guys is a great quarterback, the Giants should take him. I want a quarterback or a fun receiver, but obviously you have to start a quarterback. <laughs> like, but my issue with all these guys left on the board, Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr., who I'm interested in, is that they all have been in college for like six years. Like they're pre... Where, think right now if you're listening. Where were you in like August of 2019? Because these guys were playing college football. Like CJ Stroud was like a junior in high school and Michael Penix Jr. enrolled in college and played football. And then CJ Stroud is now going to like be offensive rookie of the year and maybe lead the Texans to a playoff game. And all these guys are still playing college football. And I hear what you're saying, DK, about how maybe that's a good thing. But I'm like, if it took you six years to be good in college football, you get like two and a half in the NFL. Well, how could you possibly adjust? Right. I think, I mean, with Daniels, he was pretty good early on in his career, and then he kind of bounced around mm -hmm. in terms of like his, his teammates cleared out his locker and put it on Instagram Live, and were like, "This guy sucks." And then he won the high. I don't know how. College, so I, I don't. What are, are you saying? You want a quarterback, or you do not? I want one of these guys to be good, and I'm worried I'm talking myself into a Kenny <laughs> Pickett. Like and I need an the intervention. Good one is. If you can just let him know which one will end up good, yes. that's the one he'd prefer. To Heifetz's point about Jaden Daniels, he threw. Touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk in college. He was at Arizona wow. State and then he transferred to <laughs> LSU. I, that like it's, saying that is like, whoa, that's weird. Dude, if you if you grabbed 2018, 2019 Ben, because at the time I was covering the draft full time and I was covering the Pac-12, and you put Jaden Daniels film in front of me, because I was watching him and said, This man, eventual top 10 pick after winning the Heisman, I would have been like, fix the time travel machine. You are a <laughs> wizard. Like there's no, yeah. no chance. That's the thing I'll say about Daniels relative to like Knicks and Penix and some of these other quarterbacks who've been doing it for a lot of years. Penix, like he's been in, in college for so long because he's been, he's had these injuries, right? When he was healthy at Indiana, he was making NFL caliber throws. He still is at Washington. Knicks has absolutely gotten better. I think a lot of that is the experience and the comfort kind of knowing what you can and can't get away with. Daniels, looks legitimately like a much different athlete than he did at Arizona State. Like at Arizona State, you were like, oh, he can run. At LSU, you're like, oh, he can run away from everyone. Like they, like the the actual wheels, he seems remarkably faster, remarkably more dangerous, true dual threat 
at LSU relative to what he was at Arizona State. So he's the one that interests me the most because physically he's become something new over his time in college. I agree with that. And Jaden Daniels is the one who pulls up my heartstrings as a Giants fan. If they don't get a quarterback, though, I feel like I want the Giants to have a fun receiver. The Giants, I'm so like, you know when the, how the Chiefs have like Travis Kelsey, but then they have like Justin Watson and Marcus Valdez-Scantling and all these guys who are sky more terrible to watch. The Giants offense is like that, but they don't have Travis Kelsey. It's yeah, just no, all these skilled what, players. Wandale. No, Wandale Robinson, little, little Jalen Hyatt, little Darius Slayton, not having a good time. Hyatt's good. I like Hyatt. I want a fun. Yes, they're all excellent role players. I like. I look at to your point. Roma, you want like Roma a number Dunes. one? Yeah, Odunze. I'm not going to be able to say Odunze. Odunze for Washington. He is so fun, and mm-hmm. I I feel like that's the guy. I would be thrilled if the Giants ended up with Roma. Hyvitz, don't you think all of this is is like the perfect example? Like where your headspace is right now is exactly why your brother was incorrect in enjoying the Tommy DeVito <laughs> win. That's what I said. I was like, look, I'll enjoy it. Oh, Tom, Tom. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Heifetz fell for the DeVito stuff. Like he, he no, bought it. Like it, it's, it's like, you know, you have a couple drinks, you don't think about the hangover and then you wake up Sunday morning <laughs> and you're like, man, why did I trade away today for last I, night? Yeah, yeah. I never changed my mind about the Giants would be better off losing because I'd rather end this. The Tommy DeVito thing was, I actually have no control over this, so I should enjoy Tommy DeVito randomly being I great. disagree. You should, the, be, what, you should have been mad the entire time. That's how you should all, live life. Yeah. All I know is that at this time last year, we were in pods and Heifetz was like, oh, the Daniel Jones extension is going to be crazy. And I was like, don't do this to yourself, man. And then here we are, a year later, don't do this to yourself, man. It's not the future. So, like, what would you do if if uh, the two court, the two big quarterbacks are off the board, mm-hmm. and basically it's just Jaden Daniels or Bonex or whoever Penix? Would you rather stick with Daniel Jones and pick like a skill player or an offensive lineman or, wh- or whatever it may be? Um, mm-hmm. Giants have picked a lot of offensive linemen lately that hasn't necessarily worked out for them. But what would you? What do you think is the best course of action in that specific scenario? Um, I love the idea of Daniels with a small trade back if I can achieve it. Um, I'd much rather take you know, the role on him at 15 instead of five, right? Like that, that is a big difference overall in terms of the picks that you can get. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you're going to be able to pull that off. Uh, can I push even- back? Can I ask you about that, Solak? That's exactly what people said about Daniel Jones is you should take him, but you shouldn't take him this high. And to me, and I'm right. charged here, but I don't understand like why, because if you're saying well, this guy's the future of our team, but also we don't actually think we should mm-hmm. take him quite this high. I'm like, he's either good enough to take him or he's not. And the idea that we should like risk right. not having this guy that you want to build around. I'm like, I feel like he, if the guy's not good enough to take it six, I don't even want him. So I largely agree with you. I will say that in the in the Daniel Jones example, they had both six and 18. So now that it was just, are you going to take him at six? You're going to take him at 18. It was kind of the conversation here. It's okay. If I can move back from five and to like 12 and in the process potentially get like a future first, then if. I miss out on Daniels or if Daniels doesn't work, I have ammo in the back pocket to move off of Daniel Jones and go trade for somebody, right? I like the idea of, of, of hedge, hedging the bet a little bit there because I don't have the two picks right now. I only have the one. So to me, like that's where the value add is. If you believe in the guy though, it, you do have to pay the premium. You sit there at six, you sit there at five and you take him. And and I'm not gonna, you know, I, I wouldn't hop on this show after the draft and be like, man, I would have loved if the Giants could have got Daniel Jones or could have got Jaden Daniels at 12, but they got him at five. So I hate the pick. I just say, all right, you know, they felt like they had to stay there and take him. They felt like someone's going to trade up to get him. So you have to pay the premium price. That's the nature of picking quarterbacks. All right. Thank you guys for indulging me. I'm um, incredibly emotional about all of this. All right. <laughs> Next up here, we have the New York Jets, who's seventh pick, which five and nine. I got to tell you, after all this, it is so funny that the Jets, after all of this with Aaron Rodgers, are going to have a, a significantly higher pick this year than they did last year, <laughs> I know. which is unbelievable. And again, just as a reminder, when the Jets did the Aaron Rodgers trade, there was a stipulation that if he played, I think it was 65% of the snaps, they'd send a first rounder. And if not, second rounder. Well, never mind 65% of the snaps. He didn't actually play six snaps for the Jets. He's not coming so, back? Why would you believe he would come back? Who, who led you to believe, GK, <laughs> that he would come back? It's very unreasonable that he would come back. Who it feels who like we've been talking about this? it a lot lately? He I looks good know. out there. You see him throwing in shorts on the sideline? <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard he picked off a pass as a defensive scout team safety, and that meant something. So, You know the meme of Eric Andre shooting Hannibal Burris and being like, yeah. who would do this? It's just every week it's Aaron Rodgers <laughs> doing, I'm going to come back, being like, why do you guys think I'm going to come back? He, he, yeah. he, who shot Hannibal? <laughs> so... Here's the thing. I'm curious. So the Jets, you know, Robert Solis, if he comes back as head coach, Aaron Rodgers, the general manager of the New York Jets. Uh, I'm curious, DK, who do you think since, I mean, Joe Douglas works there, but Aaron Rodgers is the GM, as I understand it, since offense coordinator Hackett 
Tim Boyle, the backup quarterback, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and Dalvin Cook were all kind of signed by Rodgers. DK, who do you think Rodgers takes uh, <laughs> as the Jets GM uh, in this draft? A receiver. Aaron, tr- trade for Aaron Jones? Some old guy that he trusts yeah. and knows implicitly. Um, no, I think it's like... David Bakhtiari just trades this pick for... I feel, like, I feel like you have Packers to go offensive line, right? For as bad as the receivers are behind Garrett Wilson, the offensive line is more important to... I mean, look at literally what happened to Aaron Rodgers to start the season. Like, you have to keep him up, right? That's your number one priority. Yeah. Right? I mean, that would mm-hmm. make more sense, but my, my... The reason I said receiver is because, like, the Packers refused to pick a receiver in the first round for the entire time that he was in Green Bay, and it's like... Rodgers is making decisions based on <laughs> prior like spite and, and things like that. So that would be like my guess. The funniest answer would be quarterback if they just took a quarterback to sit behind <laughs> Rodgers. But no, I, I agree with Craig. I, I think you have to take a line here. So like, I'm curious. So Fashanu from Penn State off the board, Joe Alt from Notre Dame is like widely seen as the next best tackle. And also yep. just as a lineman, I love a six letter full name. That's just so great. Yeah. Joe, Joe Alt. Right out of Joe, the 50s. Joe. Joe Alt feels like, you know, right, the, the guy that in 50 years they'll look back and be like, oh, Joe Alt. Yeah, for sure, Joe Alt. Like, <laughs> Steve Holt from Arrested yeah, Development. Yeah. Like, Steve Holt. Steve Holt. Joe Alt. Alt's the pick for sure. I know that there are JC Latham fans out there who's the tackle out of uh, out of Alabama. I don't think he holds a candle to Alt. It's a bad class to need a guard. Uh, I just need an interior player. And and for the Jets, I think that they have shuffling that they can achieve because of like Elijah Vera Tucker and his versatility. But I imagine they they're they see their bigger need as tackle and tackle is the right spots. Like Alt would be the pick. I will say, by the way, uh, the Jets haven't picked outside of the top half of the first round. Frick! Says, uh, I think it says 2016 at this point. Their last seven first round picks have been 6, 3, 3, 11, 2, 4, and 15. This is what, this is what I said yeah. when I when I looked at the doc. I'm like, the Jets are picking in the top 10 again? Yeah. What is going on with this team? It is astonishing how well the Jets do it not being good. <laughs> like, Grey's Anatomy still on? Wow. <laughs> 20 seasons, huh? The Simpsons? They, they're still making new Simpsons? <laughs> Next up here, we have the Chargers. Five and nine. I actually think this is more, this is sadder than the Jets picking seventh is the Chargers picking eighth. Who the Chargers are cursed. Brandon Staley, the head coach, has been fired. Justin Herbert's out for the season. I, I, they fired the GM, Tom Telesco. I'm curious just before we even talk about who they take. I, I, and also the cap situation isn't great. They kind of did the thing where everyone knew they were going to get fired. So they spent a lot of money and it didn't work. So now there's just a lot of money spent. And I, anyway, I, I'm curious, DK, do you, do you think this is like the best job a coach or a GM could take because you're in Southern California, you have right. Justin Herbert? Or is this like getting the job at the Shining Hotel for the yeah. summer? <laughs> it's like, for the winter. Wait, why, why are you guys considering me? This is a little bit weird. Um, yeah, that, 100% that's the, the dilemma that you have here. It's like every offensive coach is going to want to work with Justin Herbert. That makes this a good job. Like this makes it a very attractive job. But at the same time, you're taking over what has been like a doomed ship, you know, for the last whatever, however many decades. Just never seems to work out. They have like a curse. Um, whenever when Hyphens brought up like who should they pick here, I'm like, I don't know. He's just gonna get hurt. Like, wh- <laughs> what difference does it make? Yeah. I'll tell you exactly who they should pick. Easiest pick that anyone's ever made. They should they should take their their draft prospect board, cross out the seven names that went before them. Sort by forty yard dash, fastest to slowest, and whoever's at the top of the list, take them. Right, <laughs> this, this team is so dramatically lacking speed. Right, and 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 that was the the big criticism with Telesco. Telesco was one of those GMs that had pretty austere guardrails. Right, Telesco liked big bodies. He was he was going to draft players with size, players who were big enough to survive the hits at the NFL level. It still didn't work. They had a ton of injuries, but like he generally was like, a, I believe in in big dudes GM. And accordingly, they just never had any team speed, right? Even at wide receiver, right? Go look at the speed threats they tried to get. It was Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton and Quentin Johnston, all these guys who are fast, but guess what they also were? Big. He refused to draft any smalls. And so you, as a a new philosophy, bring into the building, whoever the new GM is, the hope is that they're going to put a greater premium on athleticism. So you can actually spread and shred with a quarterback in Herbert who's built to spread and shred because of the velocity of his throws, because of the way he processes on the field. You want to create space and create matchups. And they've just been so condensed over time. And so... I would love to see them get speed offensively, defensively. Like the the corner room desperately needs help. This is a good Kool Aid McKintree spot. It's a good Nate Wiggins spot. Is the corner out of Clemson who I think is going to be that that first corner off the board. Uh, you ha- you have to be able to add 
dynamic athletes to your quick twitch positions like wide receiver and like corner. And so they're going to draft Brock Bowers at eight and it's going to piss me off. That's the Chargers. That's that's the one. <laughs> I was actually going to, yeah, I was going to suggest that. It might be kind of fun to have Brock Bowers on that team, but yeah, then they just keep running into the same non-speed problem. Well, can't they get a speedy guy in the second or the third? Is there a speedy guy that warrants the eighth overall pick? Craig, Craig, Craig. They should get a speedy guy at the first round pick and then at the second round pick and then Another. at the third round pick. And then <laughs> every single pick, just sort by 40 times. It was so slow. It does get, it's only, it was so amazing mm-hmm. that they took Quentin Johnson, who can't, doesn't really have the hands yeah. to catch Herbert passes, but isn't that fast. Yeah. But her, uh, so like important question though, we, you mentioned getting a speedy guy. You, I believe you read, did you run, you ran cross country in high school, correct? Yep. Do you, if you got to train for the 40 yard dash, like like for a couple months, the way the prospects do, how fast do you think you could run a 40 yard dash? I could get like five O's, but at the same wow. time, Jake Bobo ran a 499. Do you think yeah. you could beat Jake Bobo? No. Um, I, it's worth noting, I did at one point run the 40 yard dash uh, when I was covering the draft, and I was fast, but I was not good at staying on a straight line. And so, my first like 10, 15 yards, there's a clip of it on the internet. I'm sure a listener's going to have it. My first 10, 15 yards, I'm just wiggling back and forth. Oh. Like a lot of, lot, of, lot of horizontal movement. And so, I would need to get with one of those trainers to teach you how to get out of the blocks. Uh, I'll train yeah. it. I'll do it. I'll train yeah, it. Yeah, two weeks. Right, DK yeah, seems nice. to think we can all run like 4 8. <laughs> DK thinks Craig could run a 4 8. Yeah. I was in with Craig. No yeah. way. I'm not. I think I could. I think you could break five. I think yeah. you could no break way. five flat. Yeah. I think you're you're out of your tree. We're out on the 40 yard <laughs> dash and we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to interrogate the 40 yard dash at the combine last year. The combine last year, they had like a fan run the 40 yard dash experience. I don't know yeah. if we'll have it again this year, but we will be present. Hmm. I still support the ringer combine. We should have a ringer combine. Yeah, you would, Craig, athlete that you are. I'm, I'm not even fast. I just want to know. I, support, I just want to know the I specs. A, I support the Ringer standardized test. That's why I, I support a Ringer SAT. I feel like that's where I would. That's where I would thrive. That's my area. But we've already done the SAT. <laughs> like, we we know what our scores are. I want to know what our combine. Let's play Ringer Jeopardy. How about that? Oh, love Jeopardy. Oh, Claire McNear probably would win that one. That's true. Yeah. Next up, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Five and nine, ninth pick. Kind of like a fun five and nine, though. You know what I mean? Like a frisky, frisky. five and nine. William Sorry, Levis, yeah. our son, our firstborn yeah. son. Billy have Jeans. Guys, Billy have you guys Jeans. watched some Will Levis film recently? What is this young man on? Who does he think he is? I love him to death. I, it's easy. I, this is the easiest uh, evaluation of any player in the NFL. It's the Robin Williams joke that God gave man a brain and a penis, but not enough blood to run both at the same time. <laughs> well, his arm, though. He is exactly what I thought he would be in the in the very best way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that, that man can throw the football. That, I like, I think that we fell for this when Josh, when Josh Allen was coming out, I think mm-hmm. teams were like, have you seen him throw a football? Like, that's the only thing that matters. Have you seen him throw? And then when you watch Will Levis chuck a football, you're right. like, I can fix him. I can do, I can work with this. <laughs> yeah. I Ready can do, to risk I, it all. He can do anything. Can he can do anything him. as long as he can throw like that. I'm fine with it. Like, that's yep. how I feel watching him. Will Levis is going to have people believing in him and buying in him for a long time because they're just going <laughs> to watch him practice like yeah. two times in August to go throw 60 yard balls perfectly and be like, all right, we got to get that in a game environment. Even if it never comes to pass, I mean, four years in, they're going to be like, listen, he had a great week of practice. Did you see him spin the thing. We got to get him out there. Levis is kind of just like brawl at Drew Locke, isn't he? He's like, frat boy Ryan Tannehill. Frackboy Ryan Tannehill. There's Ryan Tannehill with a hat on backwards, man. <laughs> I will say, Derek, so Derek Henry might be gone. Ryan Tannehill's probably gone. So it's just them building around Will Levis. So I don't know. I mean, wh- what would you want to do here? Like, if we're building around, we can fix him. Do you want to give, I think the Titans, honestly, it, it's not in their nature of the current team, but they kind of have to go wide receiver here, especially if DeAndre Hopkins ends up leaving. I, the, the Titans, right. I mean, I feel like for two or three years now, we've been saying how desolate the Titans' skill players are. But if Derek Henry's gone, yeah. And if Hopkins either stays or he's 32, I mean, mm-hmm. the Titans' top players will be basically undrafted free agents and guys that couldn't make other teams. And Traylon Burks. And Traylon Burks, who I forgot Traylon about. Big Traylon game yeah. last week. We, we still I, I haven't sold my stock. I still I'm like Traylon. I'm still holding. You got to hold the Traylon Burks stock. I still believe, but yeah, I think, I think, so this is like a similar situation to like the Bryce Young question where it's like, is Bryce Young bad? Maybe, probably. Or is yes. the surrounding sporting cast just atrocious and he is just not good enough to elevate that group? And I think this is the same question you're going to have with Will Levis, not just this year, but like next year and maybe the next year going forward. Like they need to really add, I think, receiver talent. They just need to, you know, this is like an offense that I don't think 
many quarterbacks are going to like really put up big numbers in at this point, just because they're so like, they just want to run the ball, like bring opponents down to their level, like get a little bit of variance at the end and, and win the game kind of deal. It's funny. I feel like the last five teams that we've discussed, we all recommend taking a wide receiver. We're a fantasy show, Craig. You know, right? I think wide receiver is defensible. <laughs> to me, the two biggest needs on the Titans roster are offensive tackle and corner. Uh, I think like wide receiver, obviously, like Hopkins, you keep him. Obviously, if he leaves, it becomes a bigger need. But I think there's free agent wide receivers that you can bring in, and like they yeah. like Nick Westbrook and Keenley. He works for them. They t- they're going to be a heavy team. They're going to put multiple tight ends out there. Their tackle situation is abysmal, right? This is a team that gave Andre Dillard a big contract, and then was like, wait a minute, he's not good. He like, doesn't yeah, even like, remotely fit our personality, yeah. our identity. Yeah. That's weird. And then yeah. corner wise. They're bad when their starters are on the field, and both of their starters, Christian Fulton and, and uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, are free agents. Uh, and so a lot of this depends on where they spend their money in free agency. But right now, I love where they're at draft-wise. Bottom of the top 10 is great to need a tackle in a corner, because to me, that's like the end of Fashanu Alt range, and that's the beginning of Wiggins and, and, and Kool-Aid McKinstry. And then they're right there with those needs. And so I think they're in a good spot for addressing those two, those two positions. Next up, Falcons, 6-8. and eight. They have the 10th pick, which is hilarious because... Um, Three straight years, they've had a top 10 pick on a skill player they don't use. I don't know, Craig, do you think that going four in a row here? <laughs> to me, this is very simple. If you're the Falcons, you fire Arthur Smith and you hire Ben Johnson and you draft Michael Penix and you live your life. <laughs> you live your it's, life. It's, it's, like, it's like those tweets where it's like, one, fire Arthur Smith, two, hire Ben Johnson, question three, mark? draft Michael Penix, four, question mark, five, prosper. Like that easy <laughs> plan, baby. It's a very simple three-step process. Do we do we think that at this point that Arthur Smith? I can't answer the question because you know, I'm too biased about this. Do you think right. he's coached his way out of a job at this point? No. You think he's going to stick? Yeah. I mean, they, there was a report a couple weeks ago that was like, barring absolute disaster, he's going to have his job. And I think that is losing just to the Panthers not the Panthers. an absolute disaster. <laughs> I think I think I think it it is the beginning of absolute disaster, but. Sadly, disaster is still recoverable when mm. the leaders of your division are the seven and seven Saints and the seven and seven Bucks, and you're only a game out. I think that's he's so stupid, though. Like, just because you're six and eight in a terrible conference, that shouldn't affect your opinion of a coach. Just because technically they're still in contention. Hey, you should you, you should own a team, Craig. But alas, <laughs> you do not. <laughs> not I think yet. This is the toughest um, thing owners get have to do because constant turnover is awful and probably the worst thing you can do for your organization. But also when our guy, like the other problem is that what we just were talking about earlier, where like the Chargers spent all this money in free agency to fix the defense and stuff because Staley and Teleska knew they'd be fired if they didn't make the playoffs and it didn't work and now they're screwed. The Falcons, Arthur Smith's going to go into next season knowing that he really has to do stuff. And I don't know, I honestly, whoever just decided, I no offense, Solak, I know you love Desmond Ritter, but I don't know how the Falcons went into last yeah. this season with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke as their honest to God, like best options at quarterback. And I don't know. I'm so torn about this Falcons team, but right. I, I just whoever decided Desmond Ritter would be the quarterback entering this season, I feel like should not make this pick. The the theory, right, is like, OK, like we have the infrastructure to develop a quarterback because our offensive line is so good. We have such good weapons and we run the football well. And then none of that happened. Right. Like the Falcons, I, I derailed the Falcons and I also forswore speaking about them again, like literally yesterday on the NFL show. So I resent being put in this position. But the, the, the Falcons were supposed to be like, we run the ball and then we go play action shot. They're 23rd in the league in rushing success rate. Like their running game fell to pieces. And that's what Arthur Smith is responsible. It's what he's supposed to bring. That's supposed to be what's unique about him. So they lost the environment to develop Ritter, who at one point in the season, the Falcons are four and three. Ritter was one of the best quarterbacks in the league by success rate. Like he was one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. They were being successful. And then he had a bunch of turnovers and they decided to bench him. And for some reason that hurt his development. Like who could have seen that coming? Where you bench him for Taylor Heineke for two and a half games. You lose all three of those Heineke games and you have to throw him back out there while you're already now below 500. So they did a bad developmental job on Ritter. They're going to do a bad developmental job on the next guy. (laughs) I once again, give two, give, give a second something more get, get Justin Fields on the Falcons he's from Georgia just put him around with these guys yep. alright that'd be fun emails couple of emails I want to hit up here emails um, one, emails to ring your fantasy football at gmail.com if you have questions about we have a lot to talk about here anything <laughs> you want to hear but people emailed in asking a lot about Caleb Williams and we described Caleb Williams as basically gifted like pro, like a prodigy when doing off script stuff but we haven't seen him play in rhythm yet not because he can't but because perhaps he hasn't had to and they asked him to be a superhero at USC and there's a risk that maybe he holds on to the ball a long time, tries to be a hero, takes sacks in the process, hunting for big plays, et cetera, et cetera. Also, he's just six foot one, not as tall as you think. 
And Ryan emailed in to say that that just sounds like a description of Johnny Menzel without the off-field issues. And then Chesky emailed in to say that sounds like a description of Zach Wilson. DK, would you like to respond to Caleb Williams <laughs> as Zach Wilson? Um, yeah, the Zach Wilson one is great. And I think Ben actually beat me to the punch on this one. He tweeted it like in the summer. So yeah. kudos to Ben. But yeah, basically the the take I was workshopping a little bit is that he, Caleb Williams is like who everyone wanted Zach Wilson to be like stylistically a guy with a big arm, you know, he can move around, he can scramble, he's a playmaker, but um, mainly he's just like, has a really, really strong, you know, elastic arm. He can make plays, you know, out of structure and off, off platform. So Ben, what was your, you had a description that was like, I think pretty perfect. Yeah. So I, when I was watching Caleb in the summer, like before this, this, this year's worth of film, I was watching him being like, Oh, like when everyone was describing Zach Wilson in the 2021 draft process and I was watching Zach Wilson film being like, what are you guys seeing? This is not happening at all. This is the guy they were watching. Right. They were watching Caleb Williams film and thought he was his name was Zach Wilson. Like, I think that, that the question of like, oh, he sounds like the Johnny Manziel arc. He sounds like the Zach Wilson arc. Right. Like when I watched both Johnny and Zach Wilson, I was like, I don't get what people are talking about. Like, you're, you're, like we're selling a bill of good on these guys. It's like a generational thrower and like a ludicrous arm, an unbelievable playmaker. And both Johnny and Zach do that. That's where their strengths are. But I don't see them as like 99th percentile. I see them as like 85th right. and 90th. Caleb is actually the truth of that, right? I think that like a lot of the hype on Johnny, a lot of the hype on Zach was misleading. And that was part of the reason why those guys were overdrafted and un underperformed relative to expectation. I think it is accurate to say that Caleb is, ge is, is generational in terms of his playmaking ability, what he does outside of structure, what the arm allows him to do so and so forth. I think he's, he's the, the real case, not like the bloated inflated case, the real case of what this might look like. That doesn't guarantee he'll be successful, but that is to say that if you're like, oh, I've been burned on Johnny Menzel, I've been burned on Zach Wilson. I don't know about Caleb Williams. I would say, you know, we over, we gassed up to Johnny Menzel. We gassed up Zach Wilson in that description. Caleb is is the real thing where if he hits, rocket ship to the moon. Yeah, and I'd also add to that, like Caleb Williams physically is much more gifted um, than Mansell or Wilson and bigger. Like he's yeah. thicker. Bigger bigger being a big deal, I think deal, like, right? yeah, and, and so like to me, it's that they, there's some similarities in the way that people describe them, but I don't see them as like similar players. If that makes sense. I, I, I think... <laughs> Caleb Williams has an incredible mm. arm. He's big, thick, strong guy. He's he he's like a really good runner. He'll like he like bowled a guy over at the goal line at one point. Like yeah. the guy stood him up at the goal line and Caleb Williams like carried him into the end zone. Like he's big, yeah. strong guy. I like Ben's comparing him to, to Jalen Hurts physically. And I that kind of like yeah. changed something in my brain. When she said that, I went and looked at the two of them and I was like, oh, right. Huge difference in terms of BMI. Yeah, where it's like Caleb like actually can survive contact. He can justify playing the way that he does. Where when Zach Wilson runs around like that, once he gets hit, like, Zach oh. feels like he's going to crumble, right? right. The yeah. other thing I would say, that's again critical about Caleb. Caleb checks the ball down, right? Like the what describes his ceiling, what describes why he's going to be the first overall pick and such an enticing prospect is what he does on the trick shots, the 50-yard throws, the out-of-structure throws. But Caleb will very cheerfully drop back, three-step drop, oh, you're giving me the shallow underneath and throw it right now. And that was a big criticism from me with Zach Wilson coming out where it was like, dude, you got to look at it and see it and take what they're giving you. Caleb is, is more mature in the processing aspect than Johnny and Zach were. And also the Mahomes comparisons to Zach Wilson were kind of like insulting, but the Caleb Williams, right. just not that he'll be Mahomes, but when you watch Caleb Williams, it's hard not to think of Mahomes because they have the keyhole test, right? Every quarterback in the NFL can throw through a door and a lot of them can hit the knob and the best ones can hit the keyhole. Caleb Williams is one of the only people I've ever watched like post Mahomes where I'm like, he can do that on one leg, on no legs, running backward. Like he can Upside just hit down, the keyhole. Blindfold, like, 360, no scope. Yeah. The best throw I've yeah. ever seen in my life Jump was in the throws. Super Bowl. Yeah. When the Chiefs were, remember when the Chiefs were down like 20 to the Bucks in the Super Bowl at the fourth quarter and Mahomes did the Superman throw and he was like basically horizontal in the air yeah. and he hit, I think, Jarek McKinnon. He hit someone in the face and they didn't mm -hmm. catch the ball for a touchdown. And literally it was the best throw I've ever seen in my life. Horizontal Superman throws a ball 40 yards in a row with like a foot off the ground. And the only, like Caleb Williams is like the guy that I feel like is capable of stuff like that. Like the left-handed yeah. touchdown passes. Like there's a basketball-esque, like he thinks of things that I I, I would never have thought of. Yeah, his, his off-script Sandlot stuff is the reason he's getting Mahomes comps, I think, because like they, the way that they like waddle around, like almost like their running gait is like kind of similar because they waddle around, but they can <laughs> like 
avoid like Pablo traffic. Escobar, they, Narcos. Yeah, like it's like just, they avoid they avoid pass rushers. They scoot around and, and like make. They these, are both point you know, one miles per hour faster than the guy chasing them. at all times. <laughs> yeah. Just like they were just like Mario avoiding traps. They're fun to watch. So. All right, we, we have another email to hit here, which is from literally dozens of people. And we have, we, we talked about corn on the, the Monday show. Solak, yeah. Solak mm-hmm. we have a very important question for you. We have a Midwest pass-fail test for you. Mm. Whether I'm not from the Midwest. Though. But you're in Michigan. Okay, but yeah, okay. here's the question, though. Do you know when corn is supposed to be knee-high? Fourth of July. Oh, Damn. God. <laughs> you gotta be knee high by the Fourth of July. Solak. You have no idea. Miss that. Solak. Yeah. There was a trivia question of what date was it supposed to be. And I've got an email from Mason that I think summarized the rage of everyone who listens to our show from the rage. From just anywhere who knew that answer. <laughs> I can't Sorry. Believe rage. Jesus. It was like Big Mouth. Rage, rage, fucking rage. And uh, Mason emailed in to say, me, who grew up in a farm community in rural Minnesota, listening to this and thought, lol, what a layup of a question. Someone should know the saying, knee high by the 4th of July. And then he realized, wow, they're really not going to get this. And then he's like, well, at least DK will laugh at the dorky rhyme. And then Heifetz read the answer is knee high by July 4th. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard, my headphones just fell off. This is, uh, I, I'm very embarrassed to be associated with three men who don't know (laughs) that corn should be knee high by the 4th of July. Uh, Truly had no I've idea. Somebody tweeted us saying that like I literally had to pull the tractor over and calm myself down <laughs> as I heard that. Yeah. I drove is, the tractor into the ditch. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be publicly admitting that you guys haven't grown porn. That's kind of a tough look for you guys. It's very, very embarrassing. The Ringer Coastal Elite Podcast. Craig, Craig claims that California is this big. I, I don't. Center, Google does. But- but uh, he doesn't know <laughs> anything about corn. Listen, like 50% of the nation's soybeans are grown like 45 minutes from my house, man. Dude, go. soybeans are wild. Okay. <laughs> That's Elaborate like a on whole that. podcast right there. <laughs> Dude, soybeans are like the most essential global crop you've never thought of. No, I, I have. They're growing 45 minutes from my house. Ooh, well, yeah. Well, I was talking <laughs> to the coastal elites over there. didn't know when yeah. July 4th. You live in so, Washington, D.C. and you're from New York. I, I so, Yeah. Settle down. That's how I got on the coastal elites podcast. <laughs> My um, my aunt actually, when she was in college, wrote a research paper in soybeans and did all this stuff and like like worked for like or no, it was for a job and she like research she do everything about it. She do the price, how they were grown, like literally she could like like a hundred page research paper in soybeans and then was on a flight and someone was eating something and like she tried it and was like oh what is this and they were like soybeans. She's like not for me. She had no idea what they looked like or tasted. <laughs> I do like soybeans. I'm sorry to all the all the Midwesterners and everyone who. Thought that was such a layup question. I had never heard that. I grew up, or I didn't grow up. I was born in Omaha, but I was four when I moved away to the city, and therefore, I did not inherit or absorb that information. You're a city boy. I know. It's our two buildings. All right, that's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Solak. Thank you to all the Midwesterners and everyone everywhere who is really upset with us that we didn't get that one. I'm sorry, sorry. embarrassed you. I'm here We're for you. Sorry. sorry. All right. We're sorry, sorry. baby. We don't yeah. mean Thank to you, upset Kai. you. We never try. Thank. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you for Jack behind uh, for help behind the scenes. Thank you, Dan Comer, for research help. DC. Thank you, Lauren. 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 Uh, thank you, Depeche Mode. Who cool band? That? But you don't know Depeche Mode. But DK, you had a great. You chance. didn't know the course we need high by the Fourth of July. <laughs> by July Fourth. <laughs> <laughs> is that? It's like, you know what it's like. Uh, that's like the two buildings. That's like when Craig was like, "It's the two buildings." Oh, that's good. Anyway, I was, you could have named the band Corn. That's all I was going to say. Oh, God damn it. Oh, you yeah, just do really, that again. I really messed that up. <laughs> no, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be organic, which is important. Like corn, corn, yeah. Corn growing, right? There it is. <laughs> uh, but Depeche Mode's good. They're like an English rock band from the 80s. They, you would recognize some of their songs. They don't, they don't have a lot of thoughts on it, though. Ben, what's your favorite band? Uh, Louis Del Mar was the top of my, uh, my Spotify rap this oh, wow. year. They're a not, lot of fun. Not familiar. Yeah. They're uh they're just that's just usual indie hipster stuff. I heard of them, you didn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> I saw them live like a yeah, long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that was pretty sick. Wait, did wasn't there a thing where you and Kevin Clark realized you were at the same random concert <laughs> yes. outside Orlando in like nineteen ninety seven? Back back in uh I think it would have been two thousand two. We both I a couple of buddies of mine flew to Florida to go see a Weezer concert because we had missed the Weezer <laughs> tour when it came to like Washington. And we're like, mm-hmm. F it, so we're going to go to Florida because my buddy had, my buddy's grandpa lived in Florida, like oh, okay. many grandpas do. And mm-hmm. 
so we stayed with him in Tampa and I was telling Kevin about this and he's like, dude, I was at that concert. <laughs> and Kevin was like in high school at the time, or uh, sorry, like in middle school at the time or elementary school. So a little bit of an age difference. That's kind of like how CJ Stroud was a junior in high school and Bo Nix was a quarterback in college, but then <laughs> CJ Stroud was in, in the NFL. And, at the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we crossed paths. It's like the, like we were talking about yesterday with like our whole lives led to that moment. And, and Kevin Clark was in the audience. And then yeah. I was in what the is audience. it? Saunder? Is that what it's called? 15, Saunder. Yeah. 15 years later or whatever it was, we were coworkers. Wild. Wild shit. I friends. can't believe you flew across the country at... I guess you were in high school to go see a concert. That's like a, that's a, well, it's the quite furthest the, possible <laughs> distance you could travel in the continental United it's States. Quite the trip yeah, for Weezer. You must have really loved for them. Weezer. Loved yeah. Weezer at the time. I mean, still love listening to their music. I don't really follow it anymore. But um, Hyphens, would you fly across yeah. the country to see any artist right now? I flew across the country to see Porter Robinson. I flew so from go. LA to Brooklyn for thirty hours uh, to do that when I was an intern. All right, never to mind. see what? Port of Robinson? Porter Robinson. I, I don't actually know don't know who that is. Porter, uh, it's, you're saying? Or some Port say of? he's he's the, the Weezer of the EDM scene. Now he's... Love Porter Robinson. Okay. Porter? Porter? Are you, like Pan? A, Are you saying Pam? I wonder how many jet fuel emissions were put into the atmosphere by people flying to see Taylor Swift this year. Probably a lot. Don't pull that thread, Solak. There, there's a whole thing about Taylor Swift herself flying privately. Be, be yeah. careful, Ben. Be careful. careful. We're going to get canceled. Every time, every time Kirk Herbstreit posts that that clip on his social where he's like, I'm flying you know, to Jacksonville for Thursday Night Football, and then on Friday I'm traveling back home, and then on Saturday I'm going to game day, and then I'm going to Arizona Cover. I'm always just like, man, the ozone. <laughs> Here's my take. Taylor Swift should fly private. She's fucking Taylor Swift. What else is she going to do? She's supposed I, to hop I, on a Delta flight, sit first class. That ain't going to work. She's the most famous person on the planet right now. They have carbon credits. They should have private jet credits. It's like Taylor Swift gets one. Kirk Herb Street, let him drive. <laughs> Until we build an electric plane, I think she's allowed to fly privately. I know that sucks for the environment, but I genuinely don't see what else she can do. Wow, Craig, just an elitist. Kirk Herb Street's not getting mentioned by the Fed as helping the local economy of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Big difference. <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to do my home street right now. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.